Thank you. Good evening. It's great to see everybody out of church this evening. I don't want to correct Pastor Reese from the front, but I'm going to. Can I just say that we are not the reigning champions just from last year. We're the reigning champions for the last two years. So just to correct you there. So obviously the pressure is on because we're looking to win the treble uh, this year. So we are looking for invitations for anybody who would like to join my team. We will do an intelligence test. Which... Already half of you have failed without even sitting there, okay? It's anyway, welcome to our church tonight. Here we go. This next week from Tuesday uh, until the following Tuesday is our week of prayer and fasting. We like to set aside some time every year uh, just just to focus. We pray all throughout the year, but we like to have a time where we're just focusing on prayer and so we're doing this week of uh, prayer and fasting you can see on the screen at the front there uh, just the times and stuff that, that, that it's on that the church is going to be open uh, you can pray at home uh, you can do what uh, that, that so what we've done is we've put together some uh, uh, devotional booklets and these cover the eight days of the prayer and fasting and it's based on Paul's prayer to the Ephesians uh, in chapter 3 verse 14 to 21 which we're looking at tonight and Each day there's a wee thought and things you can pray for, things you can say thank God for and stuff. Uh, And so that's for those people who want to follow along who maybe can't get down to church. We encourage you if you can come down to church we're going to be meeting in uh, the kids space room there and stuff just uh, at those times listen don't be, feel any pressure that you've got to come down and pray listen we're just opening it up you can come down just spend some time in the presence of God you can pray about some of the things going on in, in your life in other people's lives at the moment it's a lot of challenging circumstances that a good few of our church are going through uh, at the moment so if I can just say this a prayer week has really come just at the right time as come just at the right time for us to gather together as a church so please take one of these if you're at the younger end of the church and you're on social media we will be posting this on the prayer page on Facebook and stuff every day just to let you know so you could decide whether you're young if you're old they'll take one of these if you're young you'll see it on social media okay we won't be keeping a check or anything but just so you can make that decision yourself okay so after the service tonight uh, if there's anybody that does require prayer the prayer team's going to be available uh, out there in the foyer just to take you into the prayer room just for those people that have just a need and stuff that have come to church uh, tonight let's just take a moment to pray father we thank you tonight so we are in your house with your people father god we believe you have something to say to us once again the father your word is a living active word the, the Father, it changes us, it helps us, it encourages us, it challenges us, it teaches us. Father, as we come tonight, we ask that by your Spirit you would do the same this evening. We know there are many needs, Lord, that, that people have in church this evening. Father, we, we not just put them aside tonight, Lord, we put them into your hands, for we know, and as we heard this morning, Father, you have an uh, unlimited Uh, resources it's unlimited what you can do lord and father we we lift those circumstances and situations those with health issues and illnesses we we pray for them tonight father god and we we put them into your hands lord believing that that you can touch them and heal them father so father as we come tonight bless our time together in jesus name amen the theme for the prayer week that we're going to uh, just share just a few thoughts on tonight is taken from Paul's letter 
uh, to the Ephesian church in chapter 3 verse 14 to 21 there are eight verses there that covers the eight days that we're we're going to be doing uh, the prayer if you know give you some background of the letter to the Ephesians there are six chapters in it Uh, Paul writes the first three chapters and grounds it all in theology and doctrine of of who Jesus is or what Jesus has done and then the last three chapters are really the practical outworking of that of stuff like loving your wife and I don't know why I remember that don't get angry I don't know why they're connected or anything but those sort of practical things in the passage uh, that Paul writes some of the practical stuff but at the end of chapter three he, he writes his prayer he wants to pray for the church and the lovely thing about the new testament letters that paul writes is he writes to churches that he cares about he wants god to do something in their lives and so he writes his prayer to them and the words will come before you on the screen and it says this for this reason i kneel before the father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name i pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever amen what a tremendous prayer Paul prays for this church here in in Ephesus as he wants to bless them but he wants he wants God to bless them and he prays so many different things in this prayer that we're briefly going to look at uh, tonight to help us understand why we're doing the prayer because the problem is with prayer if most of us are honest it would be a t- thing we would struggle with sometimes you know sometimes uh, people would say this if you only pray when you're in trouble you're in trouble obviously when we get to trouble sometimes what we do is we turn to God because we're in trouble and we're praying rightly so but we want prayer to be something consistent and constant in our Christian walk, in our Christian life. And, and when Paul prays his prayer, it's a little bit more than the Lord bless me prayer, isn't it? it when we read the stuff that we read it, here, you know, he's looking and he's praying something extra for the church there. For he understands the battles and the struggles and the difficulties, one that they are facing, but two that they are going to face. And he really, the theme of this prayer and the theme of our prayer week is this that the Christ may dwell that Christ may dwell at first he wants Christ uh, may dwell in their hearts through faith but then moving on from that he wants Christ to dwell in the church he wants Christ to dwell in their community he wants Christ to dwell in their family he wants Christ to dwell in their home in their schools in their workplaces and that's why we're coming to pray this week you know Jesus teaches the disciples uh, because it's the one of the questions that they asked you know and I thought what an amazing important question for them to ask when they're with Jesus when they said Lord teach us how to pray you know it was something that was so important to them that they looked at and says well we're asking this because we don't know how to pray so Jesus teaches what we come to know as the Lord's prayer Uh, and he says this to them he says but when you pray uh, and that phrase simply means in the direction of God I make my request 
And so he's telling them who to pray to and telling them what to pray for and that. And so we pray to praise God, thank him, tell him how much we love him. We pray to enjoy his presence, tell him what's going on in our lives. We pray to make requests, seek guidance, ask for wisdom. There's many different reasons why we pray, but we must not limit it to always just praying for requests when we're in trouble in a sense. You know, and, and often the danger and the concern is that, that we would do that. That this week we don't want to just come and spend time with God presenting our shopping list of requests to him. We want to spend time in his presence because the greater value is not in presenting a shopping list of requests to him but getting to know him more, uh, thanking him for what he's done, spending time in his presence. And in a sense this is what Paul is helping them to understand here when it comes uh, to prayer. We're actually told as well when Paul writes to another church in Philippi, he says, listen, don't, don't be anxious about things. He said, don't, don't be anxious, don't get caught up with things. He said, listen, present your request to God, knowing that he's listening. I mean, what a tremendous assurance to know that when we pray, the God who is the creator of the universe, the God who creates you and me, uh, the God who is in control of everything, and says, suddenly he's listening to us. He says he's listening to us. You see, and so we come and we lay the foundation for why we're coming to pray. And, and somebody said this, and I thought this is so important. God's house, the church, is to be a place of prayer. And God's people are to be a people of prayer. Uh, and that lays the foundation for what we're going to do. We can do all the programs in the world. And, and, and we're a busy church. And, and our heart is to help people and to give people hope. Our heart is to be doing stuff every day. But the reality is what we want to be as well is a house of prayer and a people of prayer because ultimately we can't answer all the questions and solve all the problems that people have, but God can. And so it's important for us to be recognised that we're a church that is a place of prayer, but also a people of prayer. So the three quick things that we see by way of introduction is this, prayer is a need. That actually for us, we pray because we want to communicate with God. We can have no walk with God if we're not praying to him, if we're not coming and spending some time in prayer. We often get put off sometimes maybe because there are people around us and we listen to their prayers and they use a lot of big words and things like that. And sometimes that can be off-putting and stuff. It's actually prayer is just our communication with God. If you ever read the Psalms, and you will have read them. And as David writes, and I love the Psalms, as David writes to Psalms, he just often expresses what's in his heart. And we looked at it a few weeks ago when he asked the question, how long, Lord, must I wait? How long, how long, how long? Uh, and that's often people's, his, his attitude to prayer because it was a need to get up in the morning, David says in Psalm 5, verse 3. I get raised early in the morning and lay my request before you because it's about the relationship, isn't it? We're, we're not made it about the formality or the legalism of it, just this, this communication that we have with God, knowing that he's listening to us, knowing that he cares for me and you, knowing that what we're going through matters to him. So prayer is a need, but prayer is also an opportunity as well, that we get the opportunity to pray both, both 
privately in our own devotional time but also publicly as well as we put on this prayer week that it's important for us to gather together as a church to pray together for the many different needs that there are there is something powerful about the community of God's people coming together to pray isn't there there really is we gather together and we're in agreement about what we're expecting and believing for God to do so it's a tremendous opportunity and stuff and so we've set aside 16 sessions over eight days and stuff you know and praise God for the the record button on your skybox because you won't miss Coronation Street or EastEnders because you'll be able to come and pray and it'll be waiting for you and I'll make sure if you come down here I'll make sure nobody spoils EastEnders for you okay <laughs> nobody will do that because it's a tremendous opportunity to gather together but also the third thing that we see is prayer is just privilege we have this amazing privilege God is not a distant God is he? he's proved that by sending his son Jesus Christ he said it's a privilege that we get to spend the time uh, the opportunity in his presence uh, and he is listening to us he's not in a sense just off doing something else on the other side of the world he hears you and me he said and I think that's a tremendous privilege isn't it he says it matters this morning as we shared about the compassion of Jesus in the feeding of the 5,000 it was that compassion that Jesus showed to all uh, and for us in here tonight, is that, that nobody in here that God is not listening to their prayers. So we must make sure that we present them. So here, Paul comes and he presents this prayer to them. And he really asks for three things in this prayer. And it's the heart of what we're going to do. The first thing is this, is they would be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in their inner being. He wants them to receive strength but not a natural physical strength, but this strength that is given by power through the Holy Spirit in their inner being for the situations and the circumstances they're going to face as a church and as individuals. And when these prayers are written, they're as relatable today because the word of God is living to us here in Living Hope. That actually there were just times where we lacked strength. There were just times where sometimes we feel we lack the will to keep going. And sometimes we just need that. And Paul said, he said, listen, this is what I'm praying for you. And this is what we're praying this week, that, that you would be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit. Not by an experience that causes you to do something or feel something, but it says in your inner being. That's where we need strengthened, in our spirit and here by his Holy Spirit. And he prays that. And then the second thing he prays for them is this, is that they would be rooted and established in love. That actually having this bit right means that we've got to get this bit right. And he says you've got to be rooted and established in love. You can't say you love God if you don't love others. There's a problem if you're saying you're loving God but not loving others. The expression of loving God is not how high our hands go in worship but how well we love one another. And, and that's the challenge isn't it as we've often said as I've often said from the front that's the easy bit sometimes what's there not to enjoy I stand down the front I don't know what's going on behind me there is nobody in front of me I'm putting off by my singing and stuff and I'm expressing myself this way but the challenge sometimes is when the church service is over and somebody says something to you at the door or somebody says something to you you don't like 
and then the reaction suddenly is there. Well, Paul addresses this. He says, you need to be rooted and established in love, isn't it? That, that's it, the answer to this, rooted and established. But then he says the third aspect of the prayer, that they would grasp the unlimited dimension of the love of Christ. You cannot limit how much God loves you. You cannot put a measurement on it, as we will see in a few minutes as we explain this. He says, it is immeasurable. There's no way to measure it. How much does God love you tonight? Well, actually, it's immeasurable. He says, a demonstration of it is a picture of the cross. But it's actually immeasurable how much he loves you as far as the dimensions go. And he prays that prayer that they would know that and understand that. Because grasping that will help them face all the circumstances and all the situations and all the things that they have to deal with in life. Now, it's strange here that Paul really is praying for the church to have that strength, faith, love and understanding. Notice his prayers are not almost an outward show of the miracles or supernatural signs. He's not praying for economic prosperity for them, that they would come into some money or a good job but an inner spiritual strength that would help them cope with the things that they're going through in life because that strength secures and, and, and it holds an unshakable trust in the promises of the word of God. That's what getting that inner strength does. That, that's why we're praying this, that Christ may dwell. You see, God is in the business of giving to his children exactly what they need, not what they want. As we come and pray this week in every session, as we pray for the church and with the church and for the people and stuff, we're not praying that God would meet your wants, we're praying that God would meet your needs, that God would meet our needs as a church, and God would do all of that, that he would meet the needs because he knows what's best for us. He knows everything exactly that we need. And Paul understands that when he writes this to the church here and says, listen, he says, this is what we're expecting God to do. This is a prayer I have for you as a church. But he says, how does he give it? He gives it out of God's glorious riches. I mean, how rich is God? I mean, not only just his riches, but his glorious riches, the unlimited resources that in a sense belong to me and you, that we can imagine a figure of the richest amount of money that there is in the world, and God has more than that. You cannot outgive God, as we said this morning. And so we're here, and Paul is praying this for the strength, but it doesn't come from mere emotions, rather than just, it comes from prayer. Just say so he would pray this prayer that God would meet the need. But he says this, it says that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith. You know, when you dwell somewhere, it means to live in a specified place. You know, when Christ moves into our hearts, he dwells in our hearts. It's a place where he lives. It says we, we, we may go on holiday, we may, uh, we may go camping, or we may go somewhere for a temporary time. That's not what the word dwell means here. This means something that is permanent, something that is fixed we will all go home tonight, hopefully to, to our fixed abode, we call it, our, our permanent address. You know, this is where we live. If you ask me where I lived, I would give you my address and say, this is where I dwell. It's my permanent residence. And so that's a word that is used here because there are two different words that use that idea of to live in. The one is to live in a place as a stranger. 
You know, when you go somewhere to somebody's house and, you know, and you have to ask them if you're staying there, you know, can I have a cup of tea or, well, you know, where do you keep this? Or you don't quite know where everything is because you're a stranger in that house. But when it's your own house where you dwell and live, it says you're not asking anybody's permission, you know. You, you go and you know where everything is. It's your house. It's where you live permanently. Uh, and that's the thought behind the word that Paul says, this is how Christ dwells in your heart. It's permanent. It's actually fixed. This is where he lives. And that's the prayer that he gives. He says, actually, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That he lives permanently, not temporary there, in your hearts. And you see, he says that we become rooted and established in the revelation and the knowledge of God's love in Christ. You know, the depth of it is being rooted, which is a horticultural term. That's gardening for those people who don't know uh, what that is. Just, I'm not saying anybody didn't know what it was like, but he says, I'm being honest, I didn't know what it was, so I looked it up. It's gardening. And established is our architectural term. They both relate to the importance of having the right foundation. He says, you know, I'm not a gardener. My mum is an avid gardener. I was over visiting her a couple of weeks ago. And, and she, it's like her back garden's like the Chelsea Flower Show, you know, where it's all there. And she plants this down and she tries to get me to show an interest, you know, it's a plant. You know, that's, that's what it is. It's a plant. And, you know, that's it, you know. But I remember trying to be like her and planting something in the back garden. And, and I did everything right, you know, and it rained and plenty of sun and I got the right plant food and I prayed over it and I did all of that stuff. And it never grew. It never grew. Failure. Loser, as you could say. Then when my mum came over to visit, I said, look, look what am I doing wrong? And of course, mothers always like to, no matter what age you are, they like to tell you, you know, in 25 minutes what they could tell you in 30 seconds, you know. And so she began to tell me and she said listen you've done everything right but the roots aren't deep enough ah oh, they said how deep did you get out with the roots and I said you know about that much, that much you know and she said that's a problem he says they won't grow because you need to have deep roots to grow the plant and you know so I just left it then took it out chucked it on the fire never grew anything since and then I thought it wasn't my calling so I didn't follow but the reality is this is uh, the, the example that Paul uses is make, you, make your roots grow down deep. He says, make your foundation strong. That's a prayer that we'll pray. There's so many new believers in our church. Uh, and they go through the next steps and the new here and all the other stuff that's going on. But our prayer is going to be that, Lord, would you, would you ground, ground them, give them their deep roots, get them established in, in there. And, 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 you know, that's so important. It's not just intellectually, uh, not just emotionally, but by experience and by encounter. But he praises this third prayer, and I think this is a thing. He says, can we really comprehend the width and length and depth and height of God's love? To come to any understanding of the dimensions of God's love, we must come to the cross. The cross pointed in four ways, essentially, in every direction, because God's love is wide enough to include every person. God's love is long enough to last through all eternity. God's love is deep enough to reach the worst sinner. And God's, God's love is high enough to take us to heaven. And he says, this is the love that you have to grasp. The love of Christ that we want to dwell in our hearts. Is anybody excluded there? Absolute nobody. 
Love the way thought, and it's not mine, that it says the cross points in four ways, doesn't it? Four different ways pointing. It says that's the expression as it points about the length and the depth and the breadth and the width and all of that that comes together to show how much God loves you and me. And that's a prayer that Paul prays, that the glory of that indwelling love of Jesus is something for us to know and to know by faith. He says he has snatched us from the jaws of hell. He saved us from the pit of destruction. He he's rescued us from a depth of lost eternity. Surely we have something to be thankful for. Of course we do. He says that depth of God's love is expressed in Christ's death on the cross for you and for me. It's just not a knowledge of who God is and what God has done. Because knowledge just affects here. It's just about being intelligent, about being clever. It's a love that Paul says surpasses knowledge. So you need the knowledge of it. You need to be told of it. But it surpasses the knowledge of that. That's the sort of love that's expressed. And you see, if you want to be filled with the fullness of God, which is one of Paul's prayers, we add the love of God to the word of God to experience the power of God through the spirit of God. That's the prayer there that Paul is coming together, bringing together for the church. So sometimes we just want the experience of it. And Paul lays the foundation for them and says, here, he says, you want to be filled with the fullness of God and what you're doing in your life. Well, add the love of God to the word of God and then add the power of God through the spirit of God. The fullness in our lives can be described like this, to be all that God wants us to be. I mean, it's amazing what God does in the lives of people who are just willing to say, God, here am I. I don't know what you have called me to do, not what you're giving me to do, but God, for me to experience the fullness of you in my life, I, I just trust you that I'm going to be all that I can be in you, with you. Well, what a prayer that is, isn't it? It says as we move on as a church, as we, as we're on this journey as a church together, that's just the heart of what we're about as a church, to find people who are not a one-man ministry that says one man does everything. We're a church that says, listen, if you've got some place to serve, if you've a gift that you can use, we want you to use it here in the church, not for the church's glory, but for God's glory. Because that's how we discover the fullness of God in our lives. And his desire for his readers to grow in God's love has a specific purpose. To be filled with God is a great thing. To be filled with the fullness of God is still greater. But to be filled with all the fullness of God utterly bewilders the sense and confounds the understanding. And Paul uses this unique term which that had been used. He said it expresses God's super abundant ability to work beyond our prayers, thoughts and even dreams. The, the word is immeasurably more or exceedingly abundantly above all, infinitely more, above and beyond, far abundantly and beyond all. You see the expression of the word that he's used, that he's not putting any limits on what God can do. He's not putting any limits on what God can do in your life with you. He's not putting any limits on what God can do in this church from this day forward. Those are the sorts of prayers we want to pray over this next week as we gather together. As we come together to pray those prayers, not to say, God, would you just do all the stuff that I expect you to do? All the stuff, Lord, that keeps you in a box. All that stuff that limits you. 
Paul says, no, 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 I'm not praying that for you. I'm praying that God would do immeasurably more, abundantly more, beyond all that you could ask or imagine. He says, not because of our skill set, our gifting, our talent, or our abilities, but simply because of our faith in God. Because believing that God can do more as we are simply dependent upon him for the release of his power in our lives and in our church. That the Paul was teaching his readers what he himself already knew. That it's impossible to petition for too much from God. Because God's capacity to give far outweighs our thought life of how much can God give, how much can God do. He says actually immeasurably. You cannot comprehend it, what God can do. And he says it's all for the glory of God. Well, what is the glory of God? Well, this description, I think, suits perfectly. What is the glory of God? It is who God is. It's the essence of his nature, the weight of his importance, the radiance of his splendor, the demonstration of his power, and the atmosphere of his presence. That just makes sense, doesn't it? You all understand that, okay? Yes, good stuff. But that's just, that's it. What is the glory of God? far abundant beyond more than we could ask or imagine what is it in your life at the moment you're looking for an answer for what is it in your life at the moment that is going on and you're saying God would you do something here says what are we limited by today are we limited by maybe our lack of faith are we limited by the box that we put God in are we limited what are we limited by are we limited by experience are we limited by what people will think about us Maybe we shake off those limits as we come to this week of prayer and say, God, we're believing for you to do more. We're believing, God, for you to do abundantly more. We're believing, God, for you to do exceedingly more. You see, when the church understands this and walks in God's eternal purpose, God will be glorified. We're not here to glorify each other. We're not here to sing the praises of one another. We prayed this prayer over many years for this church. It would be the brightest light in this community, both physically and spiritually. Some people drive in on dark nights. This building is lit up, but it's lit up as well spiritually because Jesus Christ is doing something here in this church. He's changing people's lives and saving them. And we're believing that he's going to do more, but it's for his glory. And simply all we do as a duty is to glorify God. Paul's almost spontaneous outbursts of worship and praise in this passage. It came after he pronounced the truth that we should just simply rejoice. We should rejoice in God. It should be in the hearts of all of his children that God can deliver us and rescue us, that we can trust his promises. Max Licardo says one of my favourite quotes to do with prayer. Because often we're put off prayer by coming and thinking, well, I'm not as spiritual as they are. And, you know, I, I don't know if I could sit and, and I listen to them pray and they use these words and they do these. Listen, that doesn't matter. He said, this will help you tonight. And what he says is, our prayers may be awkward. Our attempts may be feeble. But since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. That actually if we think it is all about our eloquence or the big fancy theological words that we either know or we don't know, we're missing the point of why we're coming to pray. I have a hearing problem. At times in the prayer meeting, I will pray and I don't know if somebody is already praying. 
I've just decided I don't care. I'm just going to pray anyway. Because I know God can hear both of us. It says, because often at times I'm putting out, and sometimes I'll nudge Athena and I'll say, anybody praying? And she looks at me like a weirdo. What are you asking for? You know, but I'm like, I can't hear. You know, because and we look at it and we're put off by so many reasons not to pray. And see all those reasons for these next eight days. Let, let's get rid of them. It says, because there won't be anything there that will put us off. It says, we may feel awkward. We're, we may feel feeble, but God loves to hear the prayers of his children. And his response to the prayers of his children is, is here. Then Paul says, listen, he'll do exceedingly abundantly more. He, he'll answer all your prayers that you bring to him. So our prayer as we come to the end of the, the sermon and the worship team are going to come and join me on the platform. So our prayer for the week is this, that Christ may dwell in our hearts firstly, that Christ may dwell in our homes, that Christ may dwell in our workplaces, that Christ may dwell in our schools, that Christ may dwell in our church, that Christ may dwell in our community. What a tremendous opportunity and challenge comes before us over this next eight days as we gather together as a church to pray. Father, we come before you tonight. Father, stir our hearts with your word. Father, strengthen our hearts with the faith to believe that you will do more. Father, help us to shake off those chains of limitation where you are concerned. Help us to expect more, to believe more, to pray for more. All for your glory, not for anything that we can do, but for everything that you can do. That those prayers that we have for the salvation of our families, Father, would you answer those prayers? For those prayers that we have for the healing of our family members who are unwell at the moment, would you answer those prayers? Father, for the needs that people have, maybe provision, materially, financially, Father, would you answer those prayers? Father, would you have your way and do your will and let Christ dwell in this place? In Jesus' name, Amen.